0: Live from sunny slope with the beautiful sun shining on our mountains here, just lighting everything up. And... They have a tinge of green only to get greener as this, uh, wonderful wet season tends to go along. Hopefully some more rain again next week. Of course, it makes it a little tough picking citrus when it's muddy, but oh well. Uh, we have three lines still available. Number to call 602-277-5827. You could be up or up after Scott with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Uh, give sure a call 602-277-5827. Scott and Mesa, good morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you very much for your show. Uh, what I was calling about is I have a rye lawn in, right now in a small area that's kind of shaded uh, uh, most of the day. It gets probably about two hours, three hours during the summertime at the very most of sunshine. Uh, and, and I was looking to put a dichondra in that area Uh, you know, moving forward. And I was just wondering what would be the best process uh, moving forward to do something like that?
0: Well, just leave your your ryegrass intact until the nighttime temperatures hit around 60, 65 degrees, which will probably be somewhere mid-April you know and okay. you really want it to be consistently warm to germinate your rye and then I would just shut the shut the rye off for probably two weeks on the water when you start to see the temperatures hitting that 60 65 and let it grow don't uh, don't mow it let it grow tall and uh, and then come back and scalp it much as if you were going to plant rye grass in the in the winter time and go okay. ahead and seed your dicondra keep it wet and uh it should come right up but you want to make sure you're really eliminating the the grass first the uh Ryegrass.
1: Does that take a lot of water? You know, typically, would I mean, would you say? I mean, is that something where well, dicondra is going to take
0: more line. water, take more water than Bermuda grass, well, but it'll grow okay. in shadier areas and it actually does quite well in irrigated lawns, which are watered only once every two weeks in the summertime. But in the areas where the ground doesn't dry out so much, so that would be the areas that are more shaded under trees or areas just like you described, Scott. Okay. Uh, one other question
1: I have is, uh, I have some kind of big, uh, bogan that are kind of unruly and I was wanting to think of sometime during the season, this season, to kind of get them under control a little bit more and get them a little bit more controlled shape. Uh, when, when would be the best time for me to peer them back? Obviously, they're, they're beautiful right now, so I really don't want to obviously tamper with them now, but what, when would you say would be a good time to prune those back to, to get the maximum benefit to enjoy during the rest of the summer?
0: Well, enjoy the cycle. I mean, this is one of the prettiest seasons for via on the planet, and they're pretty in, it's pretty here in our desert as anywhere. So, typically what we would do with via is prune them back very hard if we want to change and reshape them uh, in March when they'll start to grow again. So, okay. enjoy the buds and blooms, past the Super Bowl somewhere around the 1st of March. If You, you can butcher them, reshape them, reform them do whatever you like and at that time of year they're generating a lot of new growth that'll come back out it will be more vegetative it'll be more in the green form but then you can reshape them and they'll bloom again and ideally with Bogan you want to trim them heavily twice a year and that's typically going to be somewhere the first part of March and then about the end of August okay okay
1: very good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your show so much. You have a wonderful service to our community. Appreciate you. Take well, care, thanks now. for
0: being part of it, Scott. Bye-bye. Ah, that leaves us with three open lines. Once more, the number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. We can talk about uh, the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. If you're doing something fun and different at home, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we all have a lot to learn. Anyway, uh, give sure a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR BJ in Tempe, good morning
2: Hey, how are you?
0: Excellent, thank you for asking don't you hate it when people keep asking you that? But anyways, <laughs> well, you know what? It's it, it's not honestly, PJ. It's 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 hard to have a good line. But you know, you're always starting conversations. You know, I like sometimes watching news shows, and it's funny when the you know the host is you know introducing somebody, and they always want to come back and be kind to the host and acknowledge that their they're presence. You know, and it's so. It is what it is, Beach. I haven't figured out, you know. That there are other people on different shows that have other answers, but uh, I, I just try to be kind. I know,
2: I've heard those. <laughs> Anyways, I just have a question about a pine tree, and then I have one about the scorpions real quick. Uh-huh. Okay, the scorpion one was, you guys were talking about it a while ago, and I went and missed the whole thing, but it sounded like you were using DE to get rid of them, is that right?
0: Yeah, very well. It's not a hundred percent going to kill everything, okay. Mm-hmm. But anywhere where you know where they're traveling, okay, it, it can be somewhat effective. Not a hundred percent, but it, it does work fairly well.
2: Okay, because I tried making a trail of that across the fence line last year, and it, it kind of was staving them off. But then, of course, you see a few of them. So, mm-hmm. but um, and then another question I had real quick was about a pine tree that I have. It's about probably twelve years old. in um Anyways, underneath it, I need to kind of clean under there to be able to, you know, rake and clean and stuff like that because it's growing in the grass. Do you know how much you can trim off the bottom like that? Can you just kind of trim it up a little ways?
0: Um, How old's your tree, Vijay?
2: About 12 years.
0: Okay. And so the trunk's about, about a foot in diameter or more? Oh, no, not not even, huh? Okay. Is it Aleppo Pine or Elderica or do you know? Does it look like a Christmas tree kind of form? Yeah, or it's is a it?
2: Christmas tree that I bought from a little store once. Oh, okay. And, you know, I just brought it home. Well,
0: uh-huh. it may be an Italian stone. Did it have kind of blue needles when you first brought it home? No, it's just got the long green. Okay, so then it's probably an alderica pine. And I'm surprised it's not bigger even though it was young, but it has to grow out of that to being manipulated kind of stage. Um, you know, if you want to prune it up a couple feet, you know, three or four feet off the bottom, it shouldn't hurt. What What is it now, like 12 to 15 feet tall?
2: I'd say it's probably about, uh, yeah, about
0: 12. Okay. So if you want to trim up the bottom couple feet, you know, and that's going to be real real dense in there and have a bunch of old dead needles from whenever it was, you know, kind of done as a little Christmas tree. and uh, But you can clean up those little limbs, take that bottom two, three feet up. That's not going to hurt it at all. Oh, okay, good. The best time of year to do it, by the way, is right now. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a good idea.
0: In the wintertime. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, BJ. Have a nice weekend. You too. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Phil and Levine. After Phil, it's wide open. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Phil. Good morning.
3: So, I have a couple of very big uh, mulberry trees living next to an irrigation ditch. The trunk's probably 12 to 15 inches in diameter. And I've never really had them trimmed, and they need to be trimmed and thinned. First question is one of the one of the limbs has that black um, soot rot or city
0: mm-hmm. canker whatever yeah. on it. Right? Yeah.
3: So there's about a four inch diameter limb coming off the main trunk of the tree, and then there's this one that has that black rot on it. That's probably about a two inch. Do I cut the whole thing off? Well or just what's the part that has the black
0: on what's important, it? Phil, is you don't want to spread that from limb to limb, okay right so with how much you take off, you ideally would take back anything that was affected if it was just on one limb. And and so what I would do is is just cut the limb back and then you know cut it back again to where you have clean wood, okay? But even in between those cuts in the same limb, it wouldn't be a bad idea to use some bleach on your saw and, and, and clean it off because you can spread that sooty canker pretty easy with open cuts and cutting one piece of wood in another, okay?
3: Okay. And so I had somebody come out and look at the trees and give me an estimate on what it was going to take to trim them back and cut them back. Uh And he quoted me this huge number Mm -hmm. that, I'll cut the trees down before I spend that much
0: on them. But, <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of different arborists and tree trimmers and a lot of different uh, pricing and different things. And, and I, I think if you shop around, you can find some licensed companies that you'll be surprised the variance in cost, you know, from one to another. But what I always recommend anytime you're going to you know, hire anyone to prune your trees is uh, number one, check on their referrals and their experience. So, you know, they should all have you know, other customers. This shouldn't be the first smallberry they pruned and they should have customers they've worked with for years if they've been in business any period of time and uh, make sure that um, you know the work they're doing is is satisfactory to you looking at the appearance of the tree and you know and and for the customer that they've had in the past so that that would be good to you know work with referrals on any tree trimmer and, right and there's all, there, there's right. all there's all different kinds of you know the summer some summer tree pr- you know, they'll tell you all different kinds of things you know if you one, one thing you might want to make sure is if they're trimming a really large tree that they have insurance and they're not going to fall out and, and you're going to be responsible for something that gets hurt, you know, on your property. So that, you know, making sure they have insurance and those kind of things are, are important. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a big separation in the, in the prices that guys charge. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's been like a windier year this year. You know, so a lot of the tree services have been busier than average. And so they're probably not as hungry as other times. But, you know, typically this is a time right now where we haven't had any monsoons or big windstorms for a while, and it's the perfect time of year to trim deciduous trees like mulberries, so it would be a good time to investigate pruning it and probably getting it pruned.
3: One of the things that this guy said was something about you have to be very careful about how you cut them and how you trim them because they will bleed out and die. What does that mean?
0: Well, not some, well, trees usually don't bleed out and die, and mulberries have been pollarded here for, you know, they were the, probably the number one tree planted here, you know, in about nineteen fifty, late 50s, early 60s, and they used to pollard them. They used to cut the whole top off the tree every year because they were planted too close to homes in tight areas, and they would come back and prune them and open them up, and and that process was was, you know, Probably exceedingly popular when all the new construction was done after World War II, especially in the late 50s and early 60s. So you can prune them all very lots of different ways. Other trees like pines and things do bleed sap, you know, after you prune them. And there's debate between different arborists whether to seal the cuts or not. And uh, I'm I'm one who's on the side of sealing large cuts on pine trees and evergreens that do bleed for a long time. And how you prune a tree, where you prune the branches and how that affects the growth does make a big difference. I mean, so, you know, it does take that experience, but there are a lot of experienced professionals here because we've had so many mulberries. Now, not as many as we used to have because we don't have as many mulberries. But, you know, Phil, it's a very common tree here. And having a tree that's healthy on an irrigation bank like yours, you know, that's going to get ample water and things. It's going to come back pretty well. But anytime you trim a tree, you need to decide, why you're going to determine what your purpose is and what you want it to come, you know what results you're expecting out of your pruning, and, and that's that's really important and and especially important with the mulberry because they can be pollarded and cut back to nothing and then maintained and repruned every couple of years or every year, or you can just do a little bit of pruning that reduces the size and do that once every three or four or five years and have it be just a very handsome nice tree.
3: So I can just cut it back as far as I want, but you would. Rec- does the mulberry need to be sealed?
0: Well, uh, not, not really. I mean, usually they don't, but if, okay. the problem is, okay, if, if you have city canker, you know, already existing yeah. in a tree, then you might want to seal it. And, uh, and I've got to say that we've had pretty good luck with city canker. Uh, two things is uh, if you've got a tree that has any, you want to make sure it maybe gets some extra fertilizer so the tree stays healthier. And we've had pretty good luck treating them with Monterey disease control uh, with a very, you know, a fast growing, aggressive tree like uh, a mulberry that can knock out the city city canker right we've you know used it to, to with success in the past so that can make a difference too but because you have a tree that's partially infected you do want to clean between cuts on the tree and make sure you're not spreading the city canker around the tree or to your other tree at the same time i understand Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. Uh, right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Cassie and Mike. If you'd like to be after Mike, all you have to do is call. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Dominique, tout
4: simplement En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. A l'époque où Jean Terre d'Angleterre était le roi, Dominique, notre père, combattit les albigeois. Dominique, et, canique, et s'en allait tout simplement, oh Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu.
2: Un jour, un hérétique par des ronces le conduit. Mais notre père Dominique,
4: par sa joie, le convertit. Dominique et Dominique s'en allaient tout simplement.
0: Well, welcome back, folks, and uh, figured we need a little, you know, something unique and none. From, why not? Anyway, beautiful morning out there with phone lines. Look like they're full, so we're going to get right with them here. Uh, Troy and no, we had Cassie and Glinda first. Cassie, good morning.
5: Good morning. Hi, Cassie. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. Okay, I'm just getting done walking my dogs. (laughs) Um, Anyway, (laughs) multitasking. Good deal. All right. uh Uh-oh, one ran away. Um, Anyway, I have a question about hearts and flowers succulents. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I had them planted four years ago, but they kind of burnt up when it got real hot over the summer. And so, and I put them in full sun, and I was wondering maybe if I was watering them wrong.
0: Well, you know, having them for four years is doing pretty well. Is, you know, doing well with, with hearts and flowers. Um, you know, you could always take them out and replant them. But, um, you know, they do suffer right. when we have a really hot summer. I mean, there's no two ways about it in full sun. Do you have any containers or in the ground, Cassie?
5: No, they're just, I'm thinking they totally died. Uh-huh. Um, so I was thinking, uh, replanting them. So when's the best time to replant them? Can I do it now?
0: Probably not going to find them very available right now and they'd be, they'd be very dormant and they can be frost tender. So what I would do is wait and plant them the first of March and uh, you might even, if how long have they been gone? They've been gone since last summer. (laughs)
5: Uh, they've actually been gone a couple of years, oh, but, okay. I'm yeah, but just now getting around to <laughs> well, doing it.
0: <laughs> they're, they're fun to do and easy. I mean, you know, anymore we sell a lot more elephant food than we do hearts and flowers. But hearts and flowers have been a part of our palette for a long time. And, uh, so they're fun and useful. And if they're in a lot of sun, you might try a Mexican primrose maybe instead. But if you really okay. enjoy the little hearts and flowers, they're fun to grow. And, uh, you know, they've been a staple part of our palette here at Landscape for years.
5: Awesome. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Cassie. Good luck with those dogs. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh-huh.
6: Thanks, Mike.
0: Bye. Uh, Mike in Surprise. Good morning, Michael.
6: Hey, Brian. Yeah, I'm calling back again. Hopefully there's no penalty for calling. No twice penalty one for calling Trisom program,
0: Mike. We appreciate your calling.
6: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was up against a hard break there, but no big deal. Uh, a quick question, and this is maybe something that uh, so a general gardening question that some people might have that raise vegetables in a small area down here uh i would just like to start a small compost pile and basically i was thinking i have probably a three by three foot area i could just dig a hole and start putting some uh you know uh stuff from uh you know just basically uh you know uh you know, produce uh, and stuff that I would be putting in the garbage, put that in the hole along with maybe getting some leaves and grass clippings from neighbors because all I have is gravel. My and God. I was wondering if there's any any other amendments that you might put in there. I know I'll water it once in a while, make sure it's uh, the heat's no problem with, with the water and heat combination. Uh, I was wondering if you had any suggestions down here as to putting any other amendments in a, a compost pile like that.
0: Well, Mike, you've got to turn it and you've got to aerate it. So that's why, you know, right. these compost bins and things are more practical than trying to do it, you know, actually in the ground. And actually, you're probably better here doing it above the ground because you want the salts and things to kind of leach out, too. So that's not going to be a, a big deal. But you could do it, you know, with a tarp and tarping over it and do it above the ground. It'd be easier to turn the pile and stuff than digging down in the ground to get it. You know just with a pitchfork works pretty well now when you talk about start putting the you know the food waste and those kind of things in there you're going to get more nitrogen so you might not need as much nitrogen but typically, to get the average compost pile with grass cuttings and and leaves and that kind of thing it's good to add some extra nitrogen and that can just be like a little bit of ammonium sulfate or urea or any kind of a, a just straight nitrogen synthetic fertilizer because you're going to need that and then the other thing that really helps is to get more microbes into it so if you have some old compost or just some native soil or some soil from your garden that's been turned over you're going to get more uh, biodiversity in your bacteria and things by introducing some either other compost or introducing some uh, soil from an active garden
6: yeah I I haven't planted anything in my vegetable area yet but I will probably in about a week or two Uh, but what what I did about a month or so ago uh, at least, was put in, uh, I worked in some steer manure and some uh, compost, mushroom compost, along with some gypsum. And I'm just letting it lay there until, you know, you know, for a little while. And then I'm going to do my planting. I could probably use that in combination with my compost pile. And then, like I said, maybe get some leaves and grass clippings and turn it and put a tarp over it and try to keep it fairly simple.
0: Okay, but the, the more you turn it, the more it's oxygenated. Okay, and then you have to keep the moisture content, and then the small pile is not going to catch on fire. Big piles will spontaneously combust, but you're going you're to have to turn it more probably and add more water. Mike's going to make a big difference. I'm going to let you go because we got full lines, but thanks for the call. Todd in New River, good morning, Todd. Good
7: morning. Yes, sir.
0: Um,
7: the uh, I have some stone fruit trees. I have a plum and an apricot, and I also have a pecan tree. And I want to know if it's uh, okay to trim them right about
0: now. It's the perfect time to prune them, uh, Todd. You know, in pruning, especially that plum and apricot, just think of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. But, uh, you know, reducing their size and uh, making it easier to harvest the fruit uh, is definitely in order, and this is the perfect time to do so. And if you want to do any pruning on the pecan, this is the best time of year. That's perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Todd. Bye-bye. Quinn and Chandler. Good morning, Quinn.
8: Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, It's been awesome listening to the uh, discussions about the lawn because I'm battling that right now (laughs) as well. But um, that's not my question. My question is, I actually have two. Number one, I'm looking at the SRP shade Tree Program, and I've been considering doing that for quite a while. But I looked at their trees. And I'm not hundred percent sure on those because I do have a pool, and I know a lot of them have uh, are pretty messy trees so on my west side yard, um, I have pretty much an open run to the pool, and that's also it would be upwind during you know most of the year, so any sort of you know litter from the tree is going to go right directly into the pool. Do you have any recommendations on a a good medium-sized shade tree in that area uh, that would either drop its leaves once and be done um, or just be a good all-around tree with not a whole lot of litter?
0: Well, Quinn, so how how large do you want the tree to grow? I mean, I'm looking at you know, maybe 30 feet. Okay, so a pretty yeah. good-sized tree. So what I would really recommend there, uh, you know, you're right along the lines of being cleanest, being deciduous. So if you use a grafted deciduous tree, like a fantex or fan west Ash, mm-hmm. or even a Chinese pistachio, like a Red Push pistachio, all those trees are sure. going to drop their foliage, you know, one week a year in the fall, like about right now. And the rest of the year, you're going to have very little cleanup. So those are going to be much okay. cleaner than using evergreens. and And, you know, a lot of the trees in the SRP program are mesquites, but they're even that, they're like a lot of them are native kind of thorny mesquites that will Mm -hmm. have a lot of beans and also have, you know, a lot of, uh, well, they'll have thorns, beans, leaves, you know, there's different things that are just going to fall off them. So, you know, around your pool, they probably wouldn't be the best bet. And if you're looking for something uh, evergreen, what I would look at would be a fruitless olive or perhaps maybe using a live oak. Uh, looks like we lost Quinn. Uh, we'll take our next caller, Troy and Chandler. Good morning, Troy.
9: Hi. Good morning. I got uh, three questions, but they're quick. Um, we had an orange tree. We've had it for I don't know six, seven years, and uh, it's pretty heavy. And a uh, branch broke off. Tried to, you know, stand it back up, but the the oranges are. They taste terrible this year. Any ideas?
0: Well, you got to make sure that you don't have some like sour orange rootstock that grew up and, uh, you know, that's taken over the tree. Are the oranges smooth or are they bumpy? Uh,
9: They're... They're not too bumpy at all. I mean,
0: okay. Well, another difference is, too, Troy, is that with the rain, our sugar content or the bricks level in the navel oranges is down, and until the soil mm-hmm. gets dry, and then they'll, they will get sweeter. So, like, ours are really just getting good enough to harvest right now where the the sugar mm-hmm. comes up. It's like that song, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Ours are real juicy and they're real pretty, but they haven't been real sweet. And as the soil dries, yeah. they'll get sweeter. Okay. All right. Okay, we'll hey Troy, I've yes, got sir, I've uh, got i I've got to take a hard break here with the news because we have our Troy Barrett in. Would you like to hang on and just go first when we get back? Yes, sir. Thanks. Okay, I'll put you back on hold. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from seven to nine on ninety-two point three FM K T A R. out you're treating hard but we got to get back to Troy and Chandler hey Troy good morning again
9: hey good morning hey um, I'm building a garden bed and kind of trying to make sure I get the right kind of soil to plant and then when can when should I be able to put plants in it
0: well, yeah, there's some things you can plant, for, you know, right away, right now. If you wanted to plant lettuce, you know, or greens, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, any of those kind of things, uh, or if you wanted to plant any root crops like radishes or beets or carrots, you can plant all those right now. Um, for typical, though, what we planting are, you know, what you consider the average things. Like if you want to plant tomatoes or if you want to plant bell peppers or you know any kind of peppers and those kind of things. We're typically going you know, to look at our last frost date or being willing to protect them. And our last frost date here for the valley usually about the 15th of uh, February. And, you know, who knows? This weather's been just fantastic. So if you're willing to put up a little frame and protect things, you can. As far as the soil mm-hmm. mix, we've had the best luck at the Blake family house um, after my wife educated me and I started putting in raised beds. You know, we used to grow things in the ground with my grandfather. Of course, we were planting an acre at a time. But when we got yeah. around to gardening at home, uh, I can remember once, and it's many moons ago, my wife said, well, we got to build this bed, you know, there's certain thing that this raised bed, and I was a little skeptical at first, but um, raised gardening really helps here, and it can be in contact with the ground or it can be up off the ground, but what really helps is that our water's kind of salty, the salts leach out, you usually end up with a better amended soil, and, uh, and things can do very well that way.
9: Where can I get some soil? Or is just regular Home Depot?
0: Well, you could buy just a bag uh, soil, yeah, and all in one garden soil. Uh, the soil in your yard is going to be—you're probably not going to find soil like that to buy. You know, if you came to the nursery, we can probably give you some because we have you know soil piles at the nursery, and then we can arrange for you to take some in like a 15-gallon container and or, <laughs> or containers and take it home that way. You could also buy it from if you're doing a large garden. Um, you know, like Pioneer and several of the rock yards here in town will sell soil soil but you'll want to blend that with about uh two-thirds soil one-third organic material okay
9: okay perfect and then uh, i guess trimming pepper plants existing pepper plants maybe february
0: yeah pretty much when they start to bud when you start to see them bud okay. you can prune it but don't prune tomatoes okay all right thanks again all right thanks troy bye-bye all right bye uh let's see next up we've got bob in uh, sun city west good morning bob
7: Hey, good morning, Brian. First of all, I sure like the taste of your music. That was great. Uh, another thing we have is in, in our backyard, we have a pipe organ cactus, which I believe is the largest in the county, if not in the state. And it's very, very healthy. Mm-hmm. the question is, how long do those things uh, live? Because uh, if I ever have to remove it, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg, I think, cause it could fill a few trucks. it is huge.
0: well, what you might find out is that people want the cuttings <laughs>
7: <laughs> big, or-
0: big right. organ pipe cuttings are, uh, are are you know usually well sought after, so yeah you know they 'll live longer than we do i don 't really know of any lifespan on them you know they 've had uh, down there in southern Arizona with the droughts we 've had in the past few years, some of them have collapsed and lost big arms and different things, but they 're recovering with the rainy seasons, and uh, i don 't know exactly what the longevity is for one but i've never seen one die from old age and i'm getting pretty old
7: there you go <laughs> yeah well, this is about 45 years old and we're uh, close mm-hmm. to birdsley rec center and uh, it is v- very nice but it just keeps growing and growing and growing and uh, well if you keep the
0: water away from it as much as you can you know if it gets watered once a month in the summertime it'll stay healthy
7: Oh, yeah. We don't water it. We don't fertilize it. We don't do anything. <laughs> it just keeps growing. And a lot of landscapers that come out here, different ones, they keep saying that this is the largest one that they have ever seen. So.
0: Well, the unique part about Sun City and Sun City West is you have some really heavy clay soil up on top, and then there's caliche in a lot of places down below. So even the rain and different things, though they'll, they'll enter that clay, they'll be retained well, and they're not mm-hmm. leaching past the roots. So that's why a lot of plants just really thrive in that area from citrus on. I mean, it just uh having that heavy clay and the caliche down below is a, is a great combination. And except for young guys who are out there digging holes with rock bars before they invented the. Electric chain or the electric uh, jackhammer. And from okay. personal experience, those holes are pretty hard to dig out there in that clay.
7: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wait and call you again next year and let you know if it's still going. Hey, it'll be there. Thanks, Bob. Uh, you bet. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Uh, let's see. It looks like Quinn and Chandler's back. Hello, Quinn. <laughs> hey.
8: Yes, sir. I don't, don't know what happened there, but it definitely got cut off. Um, so yeah, I did hear the rest of uh, what you said. Um, okay. But my second question was: I did plant an Arizona ash in my front yard uh-huh. uh, just last year, okay. <laughs> and it—I uh, I got a good-sized tree from the local nursery. Uh-huh. It's probably at about you know the the highest bud right now is about ten feet, <laughs> and so, um, but then doing a lot of reading, but. Don't know if it's good to prune uh, at the end of the winter, or should I wait another year before I actually start actively pruning it? It's well, not real dense. So you, you can do some sure.
0: corrective pruning on it right now, Quinn, but you do want to okay. make sure it's be either a male or grafted, because the problem with Arizona ashes and all the ash trees, uh, and that's why we recommend specifically ones like Fan West and Tex, is because mm-hmm. they're grafted. So hopefully yours is grafted, or you got the luck of the draw, 50-50 it could be a male, because the females okay. have seeds, and when you plant the seedling ones, they can be a tremendous mm-hmm. mess with a lot of litter with the seeds. But at any rate, I'm as far as... sure in, it's a grafted tree. Well, that's a good thing. So then on the pruning, if you want to prune it and shape it, you know, the, the lethal part for A lot of ash trees is they're pruned up too high and the branches Mm -hmm. are raised too high off the ground. And if you just keep in mind that when those trees grow naturally, they put out horizontal branches and foliage to shade and protect Mm -hmm. the trunk from the summer sun. And if you do want to grow it up with a higher head, what I would recommend is wrapping it for the first couple summers to protect the the wood from sunburning. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Bye bye. Uh, Brent and Gilbert, good morning, Brent.
8: Thank you for the call, Brian. You have a couple questions on pruning, a specific and a general one. The specific one is I have a bougainvillea and a hibiscus, both larger ones that I think got a little freeze damage, at least on the tips, on the outside. Is, is it okay to prune those back and if so, should I wait or is it okay to go ahead and do that?
0: Well, Brett, you know, it's, it's really uh, normally a lot of the bougainvilleas and things will stay in bloom and you know, obviously some have been damaged. We've had a few light frosts this year. Um, if you want to prune off the burnt portion, it's not going to harm anything. What we typically want to do though is because they're very active growers from march on is to save pruning on these tropical plants till the first of march and the main reason for that is it's twofold number one we don't want to reduce the plant's ability to withstand another freeze that might happen so a pruned back tr- plant can freeze worse than one that's not pruned and secondarily they're not going to regenerate any or any or very much new growth until it warms up so that's why we usually hold off and do it the first of march
8: Okay, that makes sense, and that might answer my second. My second question is just kind of pruning in general in Arizona. My yard's mostly have four young fruit trees just a couple years old, and then, like, Bougainvillea, Hibiscus, larger Gardenia. General times of year in Arizona, I'm always kind of confused of when to prune, when not to prune.
0: Well, for our tropical and desert kinds of plants, what we like to do is we like to prune them before the growth season. Okay? So that's going to be pruning them in March. And then we like to prune them to set them up for the fall, so that we're going to have a nice-looking plant in the fall. And what we want to do is we want to prune it late enough so that, you know, are going to kind of control it, but yet leave it some time to grow and fill back in and bloom and those kind of things for the winter season. You know, Bougainvilleas and, and, you know, for that matter, Cape Honeysuckles and a lot of these plants can be really beautiful here in the winter season. So if we'll prune them when they're really actively growing, like late August or September, they have a chance to come back and fill in and bloom again in October and November. And then they're fairly dormant and don't grow much in the wintertime. That's very helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Dave in North Phoenix, and uh, then we've got wide-open phones. We're going to take a short break first. We're going to come back with Dave, and if you'd like to be after Dave, all you have to do is give Shira a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827. It's Shira and Brian and Troy here with the news every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR.
7: Up in the morning out on the job, work like the devil for my pay lucky old son ain't got nothing to do,
6: roll around heaven all day. With my woman, toil for my kids, and sweat till I'm wrinkled and gray. But that lucky old son
4: ain't got nothing to do,
6: roll around ever
4: all day. See, I'm crying,
7: tears are in
4: my eyes,
7: send down a cloud with a silver line,
4: take me to
6: Take all my troubles away. Lucky, like lucky, old sun.
7: I'll have nothing to do. Roll around heaven all day.
0: Well, welcome back, folks, live from Sunny Slope, Arizona. Beautiful out there today probably one of the prettiest places on the planet today. Anyway, if you're looking for some trees, come out and see us. You know, at Woodfield Nurseries, we sponsor this program, and uh, it's because you all come out and see us and support us that so we can uh, we can put it on. And whether you're supporting us through coming out and seeing our beautiful trees, we can deliver plant and guarantee from citrus and desert trees to tropicals to all kinds of palm trees, uh, from a commercial level to residential, whatever your dreams are our dreams, and we'd love to help you make them reality. We deliver plant and guarantee or license bond and insured. Our original store with my grandparents, Adobe House, is at 824 East Glendale. In the East Valley we're at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. We have big tree farms all over the state, and we invite you out to them if you're looking for specialty things. And One of our nice tree farms is the one down in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a mile south of Interstate 8. Our other farms are available by appointment only, but if you call us we can, we can meet you at a farm if, if if you happen to need a thousand palm trees or looking for some big giant citrus trees for a project, you know, we could do it all. Like I say, we can deliver plant and guarantee. Um, and thanks for being supportive of us. And also, I want to invite you out to all of our partners in citrus. So we we grow citrus here in Arizona. We pack it and right here in Maricopa County. And uh, we have wonderful partners that uh, have all the fruit available all over town. You can go to Whole Foods, Sprouts. Uh, you can find our fruits at... Uh, our fair citrus at Safeway and Albertsons, and also the whole Bash's family of stores. That's Bash's, AJs, and Food City. And we thank all of our supporters. And uh, we've got wonderful Meyer lemons in the store right now. We've got Lisbon lemons there. Navel's showing up, and in a couple weeks we'll have Tangelos at all those locations. And uh, many thanks to our our, our citrus partners with uh, our retail grocers here in the valley. Um, And thanks to Caputo's in Chicago, too. But anyway, we have other friends out of town. But we'll get right back to the phones. Dave in North Phoenix. Good morning, Dave.
10: Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. I have a relatively young Sago Palm that I recently bought from a local grocery store. It's less than a foot tall. Uh I want to give it a... um light dose of magnesium sulfate? And when should I do that?
0: You know, it really doesn't need it as much as other trees do. Dave, sagos are just amazing. They're one of my favorite plants. It is an
10: amazing plant. i wanted one for a long time, and when I saw the price on this one, I just grabbed it.
0: (laughs) Are you going to keep it in a container or are you going to plant it in the ground?
10: I'm going to keep it in a container as a house plant for a while. Uh, give uh, Give
0: it bright light. Okay. Yeah, it it faces north. Okay. And then what you'll want to do is just feed it with Osmocote. So Osmocote's oh, okay. going to be a slow-release fertilizer that's blended that, you know, if you put it in indoors, it'll last about 90 to 120 days. And they don't really need any special magnesium or manganese. Uh, they're a cycad. They're a little different than some of our palms. Like like the queen palms and those things, you know, really want some extra manganese and magnesium. But, you know, with the Sago's, they're not near as picky. And, uh, you know, it likes to get fairly dry in between watering, so let it get dry in between. And, uh, yeah, you I'm can,
10: watering about once every 10 to 14 days right now. And that's fine,
0: you know, and it'll last. And, and they're really a very, you know, durable plant. Um, yeah, so, it's, it's tough. Yeah, this <laughs> the, only, the only thing that will hurt it would be like spider mites or be it overwatered indoors probably. Okay?
10: Okay, cool. I have one more kind of odd question. Mm-hmm. Um, back on the... Subject of magnesium sulfate. I mm-hmm. have 2 splitly split-leaf philodendrons. Would they um, appreciate that?
0: Well, you know, a little absence talk goes a long ways, you know, but... What um, we have to add a lot of it in our one citrus grove because there's none in the soil and none in the water. In our tap water here, City of Phoenix water has some magnesium in it and if anything that's out in the soil in the ground, most of our soils here have some magnesium so it's not as critical for, for most plants here and it's nothing that we always have to add so normally if you're fertilizing with a balanced fertilizer, uh, and the one difference I would say maybe would be some roses can kind of really benefit for some extra magnesium but uh, in general it's not the most critical element to add. But, you know, on the other hand, it's it's not usually harmful either. So if if you love magnesium, okay. put a little on. But moderations, you know, but it's not going to really burn.
10: I'll just uh, stick to my Osmocode, as you uh, suggested. It's a really good product, and I've been using it for years.
0: Yeah, and it's balancing it, and it's got magnesium in it. All right. Sounds good. You have a good rest of your
10: weekend and thank you for your show. You too. Thanks, Dave. Bye bye.
0: Uh, let's see. Next, we have uh, Larry in Phoenix. Good morning, Larry. Yeah, my landlord uh, planted some
3: three in one seed last June of uh, Bermuda grass. Okay. And uh, nothing came up at all. You're supposed to water it three times a day and keep, keep it moist. Mm-hmm. I try to do that, but uh, no results. So I, I thought that was a little strange or maybe.
9: Maybe well,
3: Bermuda we grass
0: is usually pretty hardy. I don't know about three in one, if it was blended with something else. But, you know, in, in planting it, especially in June with those nice, hot, long days, um, uh-huh. it should come up. I know it would certainly come up if you didn't want it there.
7: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you know but what, Larry? You know, any really with, with putting a new lawn in, unless you're putting uh-huh. in a large area, it's probably more efficient to put in sod. You know, and you can uh-huh. buy the sod like a mid iron or Tifway four nineteen. There's a lot of different varieties depending on your usage, and uh, yeah. even if you wanted to take and cut it into plugs and, and plug your sod uh, to reduce the mm-hmm. cost for a larger area, you can do that. But um, you get a nicer, better quality grass oftentimes with sod, and you can get the one that you want there. Now you can grow a perfectly fine, you know, sodded—I mean, a seeded uh, Bermuda grass lawn too.
3: But it's a lot more work, right? Well, I uh, had an experience. I started the Chicago Water Tower. You know where that is? No. Uh-uh. Classic place in downtown um, uh, Chicago, and that came out okay. But that's <laughs> that's <never
0: here. laughs> so so you must have known where Caputo's was then, huh? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. No, I've, been out, I've been out here 50 years. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they're, they're one of our grocers that we sell to in Chicago. Really nice people to deal with.
3: Oh,
0: okay. Great. Well, thank you. Thank okay. you. Have a nice okay. day. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Lynn in Northwest Phoenix is up next, and then we've got a couple line. Well, no, probably whoever's ringing, and then Lynn. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm just
5: fine. My question for you today is I was given, as a Christmas present, a three-foot Meyer lemon uh-huh. in a pot. So I would like to be educated on where to plant it. How to plant it, how to fertilize it, and how to water it. The- area of my yard that I was thinking of planting it in would be the south side of my house. But I've uh, taken out the grass in that area, and it's covered in crushed granite. So that, I wanted that, that's
0: going to gonna all be fine. We're short on time, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown, okay? okay. So it'll do fine. planted on the south side. You want to dig a hole at least twice as large as a container, and you want to mix the soil with about one-third organic material when you plant it. You want to wrap or protect check the trunk so the sun doesn't cook the trunk, but it'll enjoy being there on the south side. You can prune it and grow it into a large tree or a small tree, and I'm going to have to give you the rest of the information off the air because we're out of time, but hold on. Okay. And Betty and whoever's ringing, I'll take you off the air as well. Appreciate the calls today, folks, and uh, wouldn't it be nice to be like that lucky old son and just roll around heaven all day, but you know what? I'm sure glad you're here because you know the, the interaction that we have with the beautiful people in this state, this country, and this world make it awful special, and you know, I'm not really in any giant hurry to go up and roll around heaven. I I certainly enjoy the people that uh, we meet every day here and the interactions and the life that we can share. Hope you do as well. Be back with you next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Come out and see us.